Are you guys gonna be like Juan and Winnell and just split off or whatnot? I don't know what that is. No, they became one person, became Lin Manuel. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. My name is Christian. And I'm Liam, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. All right. Today, we are sponsored by our patrons. That's we have right. patrons. You yeah. could be one, too. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash thunderlizard to find out more information there. We'll make sure to give a shout out to all of our current patrons at the end of the episode. Yep. All very exactly. good people. Definitely. And uh, we are also coming to you live today straight from uh, the inside of a cake because everything is cake. Everything is made out of fucking cake right now. Everything. Everything. You know, Portal told me that the cake was a lie, but man. The cake is real. The cake is very, very real. And it's everywhere. It's Um, not even light cake. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a pie guy, personally. I'm an ice cream guy. Ice cream cake is great. Just regular cake is... mm. Ice cream cake isn't even cake. It's I just, know. It's just a block of ice cream. Wow. It is, and I love it. You guys are making me want to go into my freezer and go get the ice cream I bought the other day. Yeah, go do it. We'll make this an ice cream podcast moving forward. Yeah, I'll, yeah no, I'll pull a uh, Andy Kaufman, and the whole time I'll just sit here and eat ice cream. That's right. There you go. Uh, Lucas, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the 30-year cycle, although, right. although sometimes known as the nostalgia, nostalgia cycle. Uh, basically, it's it's the idea that every 30 years, pop culture kind of revisits itself and reinvents itself and stuff like that. It's uh, um, specific, is specifically very prevalent in visual media, like TV right. and movies. And yeah. it's definitely become a lot, at least audiences now have become a lot more conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is the best way of saying it. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but Stranger Things definitely helped uh, address this. Uh, yeah, Stranger this, Things this is one of the big ones for sure. Yeah. But first, we need to do our ingestion. That's right, we do. We need to do the ingestion. All right. Who wants uh, to go first? Um, I got a lot. So All right, go for it. Um, I'm going to go first because I never get to and, go first. And I want to go last because uh, one of the things I know uh, I'm probably going to have a lot to say about, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good talk. Uh, so first thing on my ingestion is, uh, I've been watching quite a bit of corner gas. Uh, oh man, I, know, I love corner gas. I, was just gonna, I knew that that was going to be the reaction as soon as I brought it up. I was like, Lucas is going to just fawn over corner gas. <laughs> I do. I do quite like corner gas. Yeah. And I don't blame you. Cause it's, I forgot how much of that show I remember in great detail. You know, I'll watch an episode and I'll know everything that's going to happen next. And ah, oh, it's just a, it's a Canadian darling. For those of you at home that uh, that maybe don't know what Corner Gas is, which I find very hard to believe, because yeah, I'm no, not... it's it's such a it was such a big thing up here when it was airing. Oh yeah, and <laughs> no, I, I even have friends that I even have when friends that went on uh, road trips to where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe Christian. I know a couple of people who worked on it. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, it it's uh, six seasons in a movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do believe. Uh, so for those of you that don't know what it's about, it's about a small town in uh, Saskatchewan called Dog River, where uh, the main places of hanging out are the Corner Gas uh, gas station and the Ruby, which is a diner that's attached to it. And the whole show is just about the people who live in this small town and all the wacky shit that they get up to. Um, written, created uh, by and starring Brent Butt, 
a, uh, mm-hmm. a Canadian treasure, in, in, mm-hmm. and his wife uh, also is in the show. There's a lot of people in that, a lot of Canadian darlings mm-hmm. in that show. Yeah, uh, an actor named Lorden Cardinal who played uh, Davis. Uh, I got to meet one time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He came to one of my acting classes and was like, "Hey, I'm Lauren Cardinal," and we're like, "Cool." Yeah. And they talked about acting for an hour. <laughs> You're fucking Davis. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I was gonna say, knowing uh, a number of people who grew up in very small towns or whatnot, or at least like towns of a size of a one and quarter gas, have told me straight up, and it's like. Yeah, it very much captures the feel of what it's like growing <laughs> up in a town of like only that many people. Yeah. I grew up in a pretty small town, but not one that small. Mine was a little bit bigger than that. Because yeah. I believe there's there's an episode where they try to count the population and they just end up going like, you know what? 500. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I watched uh, a movie called Zodiac. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I finally watched Zodiac because they put, uh, well, rewatched it. So they put it on Netflix recently. And, Still have uh, never seen it. Yeah, so I watched it when I was when it first came out, and uh, I was not a fan. I just thought it was so boring. Um, was I ever wrong? Um, in retrospect, after watching it now, like it's it's very very in- intriguing, very interesting. Even though all the information that's in that movie is well known, it's well documented. It's just cool to see Jake Gyllenhaal portray those that character. You know, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. John Lero John. Um, Lara Kent, no, or, uh, oh. John Carroll Lynch is in it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, who I I really enjoy him. Uh, Isn't well, Ruffalo also there? Mark Ruffalo, yep, he sure is. So yeah, you have you have uh, you have uh, Mysterio, Iron Man, and the Hulk all solving the Zodiac killer case. I know uh, Zodiac was also <laughs> like Kiss Kiss like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It was supposed to be like a big comeback vehicle for uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So a couple, um, but... couple, couple things with the movie uh, uh, is that you think it's going to be all about or follow like the Zodiac and you're going to see a lot of killings. You don't really see a lot. The movie's two and a half hours long and mostly just it transitions from being like pretty hyper violent to just being a like a crime caper and just them just like trying to solve the crime. It's a, or a procedural uh, procedural drama or... kind of thing. Yeah. Uh some of the directing choices in there are just outstanding. They are they are very very cool. There's one shot where they're um, following a car, but it's a direct it's an it directly uh, over the top, like yeah, bird's eye view, looking directly down. And in the center of the frame is a car, and the and the car never mo- leaves center frame. It's always dead center the entire time, and everything else around it like moves. So they're just like following the car. Ah, can't explain it enough. But, you know, I, well, I, I was it. actually, it's, it's funny how you're watching it. Cause uh, I was talking with a friend of mine on Facebook the other day and he brought it, brought it up to me. And I told him I had never seen it. And he said, but he thinks it's one of David Fincher's most underrated films. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I like some of his other films a lot more, obviously. I wouldn't necessarily say it was underrated because it did get a lot of attention, but. Yeah. But um, it'd mean like not a lot of people talk about it anymore. It didn't make a whole lot of money from what I understand. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget that, uh, Fincher did it even so okay yeah maybe it is underrated meh <laughs> uh and then I watched uh right after Zodiac I watched Being John Malkovich which I've seen a million times and not literally <laughs> but I love that movie because I love I love Spike Jones. I like Charlie Kaufman I like John Cusack I like Malkovich and I really like puppets so mm-hmm. it's just got everything in there man 
like there's marionette puppets and Malkovich, you could say, is it has essentially a marionette puppet. Well, puppetry and is just a whole motif for the whole thing inherently. Yeah. And then last but not least, uh, Liam and I watched a movie together. Uh, yes, I was going to talk about it as well. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll let Liam cover it, actually. I'm going to let Liam cover that one. Lucas, what did, All you, right. what did you see, watch, listen to? All right. Well, I'm continuing my trek through uh, through uh, Studio Ghibli's uh, catalog. I watched uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, and I watched uh, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll talk about Valley of the Wind first. That movie fucking rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nasa, did you? Uh, just to be clear, because mm-hmm. we, I made had the confusion last time. Did you watch the English version or the uh, I'm, I'm, Japanese? I'm watching. I'm watching them all in Japanese. Uh, yeah, because I've only seen all. The only one I've seen in Japanese is Grave of the Fireflies. Every other one I've seen in Eng- I've only seen in English. Okay, I'm watching them in Japanese just because I don't know if that feels like how they were made. So that's how, that's how I'm deciding yeah. to watch well, them. I, I mean, given but, for my case, given most of them were distributed by Disney or whatnot, it was uh, like yeah. it was easiest yeah. for me to. Before I really got into anime, like I was like, well, I might as well just watch it in English. Before I realized that, I'm like, no, I'll probably watch it in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> weebs. But uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Uh, I don't know, how, like, because in, in the in the Japanese version, they pronounce her name Nausicaa. Uh, in in English, they pronounce it uh, Nausicaa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Nausicaa is uh, it in English? Okay, and in, I believe in, in the version I watched uh, in the Japanese, they are pronouncing Nausicaa. Yeah, so. again, uh, yeah, again, I've again, I've only seen the English one, but in English, it's uh, Nausicaa. Okay, cool. But uh, that movie is is so fucking cool. Like, there's there's just so much going on, such great world building, and uh, I I won't say the characters were terribly. Uh, complex but they didn't really need to be though the world was already pretty complex it's yeah. like it's like star wars where the characters are all more or less pretty two-dimensional all things mm-hmm. considered but they have just enough livelihood and personality that that makes up for it yeah 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 exactly there's this one character named lord lord yupa i think his name was uh and like everyone talks about how he's the greatest swordsman but like but for for most of the movie you don't see it and then at one point you finally do see it and you're like oh shit yeah this guy's great and uh <laughs> i think he's the one uh voiced by uh patrick stewart in the english dub actually oh that's cool right on <laughs> but it's it it is heavy with the, the same themes as all studio ghibli movies uh all about finding yourself and as well as man's relationship with nature uh, that is has been a consistent theme throughout all the ones I've seen. Uh, good old uh, Miyazaki teaching in the importance of the environment to children. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, people who might as well be children. Yeah, and and also Please. there's there's awesome, <laughs> and also there's there's uh, really cool uh, ship battles, <laughs> sword fights. There's tanks, giant bugs. It's great. Well, the bugs are so cool. Uh, the movie. ohms. I love the design of the ohms. They're so cool. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah, I watched Nausicaa of the Valley Wind and also Kiki's Delivery Service, which is actually a very different movie from the rest of the Ghibli movies I've watched. I've actually never seen that one. Uh, it is delightful. It's 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 very simple. It's calm. It's there's not a lot happens, but like, so Kiki is a young witch and she goes off to start her witch training where where she just kind of goes off on her own and and tries to survive uh, like by herself in a big city. And she starts a delivery service, as in the title. And what? She, yeah, she flies packages from one in, like uh, wherever people want them to go. And basically, eventually, she just kind of becomes burned out and has to take a break. And then at the end, uh, 
she goes back to it and that's 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 mostly what happens in the movie there's, there's more than that but like i mean it's, me and... it's very simple it's it's a very it's it's not tense or stressful it's just it's just it's just delightful <laughs> Miyazaki is also like he either does like those really big epic things or he makes movies where like there's not really any plot to them whatsoever. It's just kind of like experiences and moments, kind of like mm-hmm. kind of like just at. yeah, kind of yeah. just like filler and anime where it's like uh, just like hanging out with these people and getting to know this world or like uh, I was it their own just like by all means mundane experiences, but with just this magical element like something like Totoro or whatnot. Like there's not really any plot mm-hmm. to Totoro. It's just kind of these kids magical experience hanging out with this big fuzzy animal yeah yeah exactly and i'm really liking the studio ghibli movies so far there's there's none i've watched the i watched four of them now and they're just they're just they're just so nice yeah (laughs) after we talked about uh princess mononoke i actually watched it on my own time nice because i was like it's been a few years since i've seen this i want to watch it again right on and of course uh i did what uh every musical theater fan did uh on on the weekend of july 3rd i watched hamilton multiple times <laughs> yeah i still haven't watched it i really yeah you, yeah uh, you you texted you and uh your partner wanted to watch it uh with me but unfortunately my parents had visited that weekend so yeah. i couldn't uh but it is sorry uh it's so good <laughs> yeah because you 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 watched a totally legal recording of it yes beforehand right? uh yeah, yeah, and that's of course just someone holding a handy cam in the audience. Uh, they were they were totally authorized to do so. Don't worry, don't <laughs> arrest me. Um, you didn't do it. <laughs> what if you recorded it on your phone while watching it on YouTube, <laughs> and then you uploaded that? Could I don't that know guy if anyone would you? watch it. Um, uh, but um, yeah, it's it's so interesting because I've listened to the the Hamilton uh, cast recording hundreds of times probably at this point and this is the first time i've ever like legitimately seen it because the the recording i saw before was not very well recorded uh it was cut up into parts so the algorithm couldn't find it i don't know you know yeah I understand. Uh, and but this one was professionally recorded uh with an audience at points without an audience at other points and it's just it, they, they made you really feel like you were in the audience too they didn't record it from the audience but uh it was it was just so because there were so many little little moments that in in the cast recording you hear them, but they're lacking visual context, and the show adds that visual context obviously, and it it has changed multiple small things from the show. Oh yeah, and there are yeah. even things that you don't hear in the cast recording that are only visual. Right. Like there's a there's a story of one dancer. Uh, I can't remember the the dancer's name. She was just part Thomas of the ensemble. Thomas Jefferson. Oh. <laughs> no, David Diggs plays him. Ah. Um. Uh her character's name is the bullet and she's just the personification of death throughout the entire show. She's always there. And like, she's always just kind of in the background. Uh, She helps somebody out in like, she helps somebody kill an enemy at one point. And then five minutes later, the character she helped is dead. Hmm. And also another, at another point she flirts with another character and 10 minutes later, that character's dead. And, and like whenever someone fires a bullet, obviously they don't have actual bullets on stage. She runs out and like carries the bullet from one point to the other. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like some quicksilver shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just all these all these really little things that that I found uh, so interesting and so fun. 
and the show's really funny too yeah. like mo- most people don't really think of broadway shows being funny because a lot of them forget that comedy is a thing uh but hamilton despite being tragic and epic and all that it's also very funny so yeah. i've been told uh, yeah no uh like again i watched a, I also watched a totally legal recording of hamilton a few years ago <laughs> and i remember it perfectly uh was it reached that balance of like the epicness but also being very funny and over the top mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thomas jefferson is 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 wacky <laughs> but yeah there's my ingestion yeah, and Liam. All right. I guess given Christian alluded to it, I'll start with the thing him and I spent our Canada Day watching. Um we decide so Christian and I on Canada Day decided, like, you know what, let's hang out. We'll pick a movie both of us have not seen it. Uh was that's in our collection and we'll sit down to watch it. And we decided to watch The Wolfman, directed mm-hmm. by uh Joe oh, Johnson. I was, gonna, I was gonna watch that, but I forgot. You're uh, gonna love it, Lucas. Directed by uh Joe Johnson, starring uh Benicio del Toro, Anthony Hopkins, and uh, Emily Blunt. Like, yeah, very <laughs> briefly, Emily Blunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's wow, so it, fucking dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> like, like I was even joking with uh, Christian about it while we were watching. Like, because when the kills happen, they're awesome and like they're oh, crazy. Yeah. And all. I was like. Christian, is this what you imagined in the trees looking like when you were, or like Slash Watch looking like when you guys were planning that? And I think you, what did you say to me again, Christian? Like, yeah, pretty much. Or <laughs> no, you were like, or no, you just got to st- continue to stare at the screen. You're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's by no means a good movie. Oh, it's, God, uh, no. it's oddly directed, put together, uh, Benicio's given a weird ass performance. You got my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this point where almost confused. He sounds angry, but also confused. He finds out uh, for, who's responsible for his mother's death. He's just like, "You kill my mother." <laughs> <laughs> um, when he's uh, it's cool that they actually got him in the makeup and the costume and whatnot for the Wolfman because for the most part it looks pretty good. Um, but uh, sorry. There's only one way I could do this justice. There's this, he has this ridiculous way that he runs that's, uh, that every time we saw it, I couldn't help but laugh. Are, you, gonna, are you gonna do it? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Liam's just knocking shit over. All right. It's uh, literally this. <laughs> so for those of you at home, Benicio, like, runs with, like, his hands up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like his hands is up. benicio the wolfman yeah yeah he, okay he like runs with his hands up like near his face and he's like <laughs> and when he's not the wolfman the whole time he looks like he's gonna fall asleep he just looks very sleepy <laughs> to be fair benicio del taro just kind of have a has a sleepy demeanor yeah <laughs> that's what he said i'm like i looked at christian I'm like why does benicio look so sleepy he's like Cause that's Benicio del Toro. Looks like, yeah. I think the only time he, uh, the only time I've seen him where he doesn't look sleepy is in like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. No, yeah. He's, uh, he, he's not super sleepy there, but like everything else, he's just like <laughs> he's on the verge of just <laughs> passing out. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. It's um... it's trash. It's not it's not good by any means. But that's what makes it so lovable. Mm. You know, like I'm pretty sure it'll be one of my favorite trash films. Um, oh yeah, because yeah, it's just it is a little long, 
but um, it just well, we also watched the extended a, version which is extended by like eight minutes or something like that um it just explains like one tiny detail and then it's a little bit more violent i guess but um, um yeah it's very very oddly directed because yeah, there's well from what i understand they went back for reshoots a lot and yeah like joe johnson really loves to, that's his name right joe johnson yeah and like he's made movies that i do like yeah first avengers great i like that film he did the uh, original jumanji the rocketeer yeah but he really likes to use green screen but sometimes it just looks off or at least like a a mat or like matte paintings or yeah it just looks wrong uh but it also probably shouldn't have been a uh period piece they could have gotten away with it because uh being modern uh but recent news uh ryan gosling wrote a uh script for the wolfman which is being directed by um lay winnell so that's that's cool um produced by blumhouse so it's the same team that did uh, invisible man but now ryan oh, gosling okay cool ryan gosling is mm. the wolfman so interesting go. choice but yeah. yeah he wanted to direct um, it too but they were like no <laughs> every time you no. direct you screw up just just stop <laughs> um but yeah no uh um just it was just a very odd experience to yeah. say the least yeah. but i kind of loved the experience as well um we uh also uh um also uh, about two hours ago i finished replaying uh batman arkham city like you finished it yeah i just finished it uh earlier or at least yeah. the main story i still have like some side missions and whatnot but i need to play through good luck getting all those joker trophies or, or not Riddler Riddler trophies, trophies. Uh, good luck yeah, but i still love that game so much i forgot how much i love the mr freeze level where like uh, you have to get really creative and set up traps and whatnot as a way to uh take them out that is a really good one yeah i, I really like it when games like that do that especially like games that are generally associated as like button mashers or whatnot where it's like no now you got to think a little bit more creatively and uh yeah. well it is pretty much a button masher because yeah but then th there's one attack button there's yeah like pretty much there's like well a... there's combos and whatnot like yeah i remember relying like almost solely on counter-attacking yeah <laughs> they I, would, I would always flip over their head and push them yeah. and then punch them and then... yeah that's that's typically what i would do um <laughs> uh but no uh, it's still one of my favorite games uh i still have some of the same reservations that i did have when i first played it like mainly being that i don't like some of the character designs yeah poison like, ivy's a little overdone yeah and like uh and way too way too sexual it's 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 like uh, like i'm comfortable with my sexuality everybody uh, comfortable uh, yeah, no, but i mean like, like they put they make it a little too sexy it's just like distracting almost which i know sounds I mean, fucking ridiculous and i apologize for what i just said i mean there's also <laughs> the fact that um i guess with both harley and ivy in those games we've all known for a while that both both bruce bruce tim and paul dini are kind of dirty old men yep and uh <laughs> Like that's like Paul Dini is where the line "Rev up your Harley" comes from in uh, Batman mm. Canon. Yeah, and he put that in a kids show. Yeah. Um, All right then. But like, uh, I don't know. Uh, but for the most part, I like the I like the visual aesthetic of the game. Um, I mean, I think uh, they improved on a lot of stuff from uh, Arkham Asylum. Again, just having also just played replayed that game. Like, I think detective mode functions a lot better in this one. Yep. 
Um, like I can actually figure out where I'm going what, while I'm swinging around in detective mode while in Arkham Asylum, I thought it was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, I also liked how they used a lot more characters that also don't pop up as much, but I like to see more. Like I'm happy if a penguin uh, was it showed up because I kind of missed him in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, Zaz is in there quite a bit. Well, Zaz uh, is also in uh, Asylum. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think Calendar Man. Uh, well, one of them big black, big bads is uh, Hugo Strange, and I always like it when he pops up in Batman shit. Right. Um, but no, uh, figured I'd share that one. And lastly, uh, the big one is uh, I uh, essentially uh, just went on a big binge and uh, decided to finish all of BoJack Horseman. Hey. <laughs> and, and Lucas and I talked a little bit uh, about it after uh, the podcast, but fuck, that show was good. Like that show, like I'm amazed at how good that show was. Right, it it it's a show about a drunken animated horse. It shouldn't yeah. be as good. As yeah, as no, it and is. there are so many things in that show, but that by all means I should hate, or in anything else I would hate. But the constant pop pop culture references. Yeah, yeah. I think what was really, but what they did here, which was really smart, is that they did it to serve a point and as a way mm -hmm. of actually being satire instead of just claiming <clears throat> satire when it's really not. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. I will also praise the shit out of the fifth season for um, finally, uh, was it for really doubling down on the whole troubling thing that's popped up in media as of late, the mm -hmm. whole um, people idolizing or uh, identifying with a troubled character too much. Yeah. In the sense that uh, they turn in the fifth season, they turn into almost this completely meta season arc. Yeah, it's like super explicit. They're like, you're not supposed to like Bojack that much. <laughs> yeah, well, he's also he's also working on well, because in that season he's also working on like this pseudo Sin City esque bullshit TV show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Dilbert. Um, um, but no, um, I think uh, there's also the fact that like even though a lot of the characters are not good people, I I pretty much like I pretty much enjoy all of them for the most part. Mm. Like like Diane is kind of like if Daria never really grew up and uh, never yeah. had the boxing Daria episode. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter is, I mean, a genuinely nice guy, but he's, uh, but he has the problem of so many people where it's like, he's never actually faced any real hardship or trouble that he doesn't understand any, any of the things that should come with that. Yeah. Yeah. And he also, I would see, I see Mr. Peanut Butter as a very selfish character. Uh, he uses if, people to his own uh, advantage, like without really much regard for how they feel. He never listens to anything Diane says. Yeah, and, uh, even that, and it's also you could also attribute it to that he's a dog. And like he, doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't get it. <laughs> there's, there's so many jokes about him being a dog. You know, like as like, you like the, he is he has this constant anger at the mailman for no reason. <laughs> as, I mean, as you've said, Lucas, Mr. Peanut Butter is very much a dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I was also telling uh Lucas over text that there's a lot of celebrity voice guest uh guests that uh just blink and you miss it. Like like they got Keith David in one episode to only have like two lines and <laughs> um in the last season, I was shocked that uh, Lakeith Stainfield popped up for a little while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, and I, I, one, one that I find particularly funny, uh, Liam reminded me of it when we were talking. Ryan Johnson is in a couple episodes, and his name is Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's spelled with a Y. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Rami Malik is in uh, season five in a recurring role. Um, 
there's also uh, I told Christian about it the other day, but there's uh, uh what is it? There's uh, there's this whole running joke for over series with Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter that I especially found funny because uh, it's like the kind of shit I used to joke about, joke with one of my friends about, like just coming up with these ridiculous stupid ass business ideas and schemes that like oh, yes like why don't we start the dentists yeah it's like uh why don't we start why do, why are kids hate going to the dentist you know how hard it is to get kids to go to the dentist so what if we made a dentist office where all of the dentists are clowns it's like what <laughs> versus also and that's rap- not just a one-off joke it goes throughout the entire season yeah like later <laughs> i if i like because don't like doesn't like one of them get like rabies or something if i mean like yeah. go crazy yeah yeah um, and like and I, I love it whenever they run it whenever they talk about their business manager <laughs> and it's, it's it's vincent adult man yeah he's like yeah that's it's a business <laughs> is that the three kids in a trench coat yeah. Yes. Yeah. Allegedly. Oh, allegedly, three oh. kids in trench coat. Even, um, does that even, ever? Uh, does what's... that ever get resolved? No. Okay. <laughs> even um, what do you call it? Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter's accountant, played by Jake Johnson. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. a uh, there's a point where uh, he's giving them shit because they're going bankrupt. It's like you paid millions of dollars to a bunch of uh, elementary school kids to buy the film rights to the game Tag, and. Uh, <laughs> And this was years before the movie Tag was even announced or came out. <laughs> That's funny. But no, like, um, but even outside of like all the really funny stuff and like just how much of a genuine heart the show actually has and like how it can be very cynical and very depressing. Mm-hmm. But like, it's also very humanistic in the way where it shows that like a lot of, they're all just kind of people, which is no, also no, amazing. No, he's a horse. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, which is amazing because half of them are animals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say also that uh, the last episode, it's, uh, or the last two episodes, is probably the most appropriate ending to a show I've ever seen. Like, oh, um, yeah. like without spoiling anything, it doesn't, it's not like a lot of other shows where it's like, uh, oh, was it like you're suddenly a good person now? You've made amends and all of that. It's like, no, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And it's just mm-hmm. an ongoing journey that you need to work, that you constantly need to work on. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most, uh, and I think that's just a really mature thing that most media could use a little bit more of. Sure. Don't, Bojack I, Horseman I, I for see the win. I, oh, I just I saw it on your face. I was like, Liam's going to fucking rip on Rick and Morty right now. <laughs> I could see it. I see it on his face. And he didn't. So congratulations, Liam. Hey. Um, so that the drinking game that we established last year is no longer relevant. So. Uh, all right, so we've talked about BoJack Horseman till um, we're literally beating a dead horse. Uh, hey, so, <laughs> uh, let's move into our recommendations, everybody. All right. Um, so I would like to recommend another YouTube channel. Look at that, hey. Uh, this one is criminally under under subscribed. I think there's 38 subscribers. Criminally oh. undersubscribed. And that is for right. the Independent Initiative magazine. Uh, it's a it's an actual online magazine. Uh, they also have a YouTube channel, but they just talk about like filmmaking, um, some editorial things. Uh, but they're all like under five minutes long, the videos. So they they did a video about the thirty year cycle, and it's a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, you I I watched it pretty much right when you sent it to me. Yeah, and so I really like them just because they they also talk about like I said filmmaking. Uh, in terms of actually like getting your film finance budgets, all that sort of stuff, and their videos are real short. 
So that's a good place to check out, uh, the Independent Initiative magazine. But also, I would also like to recommend uh, that everyone go and sh- uh, shameless plug, guys, shameless plug. Are you ready? Shameless plug. Uh, go on to Instagram and follow Cinemusic Live. Uh, it's a performance collective that I'm a part of. Uh, we're going to be doing some interesting uh, stuff uh, on YouTube in the next couple months here that I think uh, people will think is pretty funny. Nice. Anyway. Right on. Lucas. Uh, I would also like to recommend a YouTube channel. I think I've talked about this show uh, on the channel before, but I don't think I've officially recommended it. Uh, a YouTube channel called—it's uh, just called Patrick Willems, the oh, guy yeah. who, who runs it. Uh, he recently—we talked recently about this on the last episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. And I've, I've been watching a lot of his videos recently, and he—he uh, re- he just put one out. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Uh, about how IMAX made Christopher Nolan a better filmmaker. I saw that, and, but I have yet yeah, to watch it. It's a very good video. It's he he goes really in depth to Christopher Nolan's filmmaking style and what changed after IMAX like uh, became a thing. Uh, it sounds it, like Liam's breaking the law over there. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I also I was gonna say I also do follow uh, Patrick Willems on Letterboxd. Mm. Um, and like, uh, even just reading his quick little review, his little quips about movies or whatnot on there are always quite amusing. I, so yeah, I'm back in myself, agreeing with Lucas in a sense, but I am a fan for the most part. Speaking of letterboxed, sorry, you keep going, Lucas. I'm just going to grab something really quick. Okay. All right. <laughs> even if he right. does, even if he does kind of sound and, uh, even if he does kind of sound like, uh, more dweeby Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> I, well, I, bought uh, what? A, I bought Liam a t-shirt. Oh yeah. I am gonna have so much fun wearing that shit ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's I love very, it. It's very funny. I am going to get it I'm probably gonna get into so many fights with film bros, it won't be funny. <laughs> and uh, uh so that, that, that I, bit I, will not apply on the audio podcast. Sorry, Lucas, go ahead. <laughs> um I, I haven't Follow him much on Letterboxd, but I, I pop on there once in a while. And I saw his review for Rise of Squ- Skywalker, and it was just like dot dot dot. I liked Babu Frick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a lot of long funny. dots and yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Liam, what's your recommendation? Um, I was gonna recommend go back to basics. Recommend a comic book, or at least big surprise. Um, just kidding. I was gonna recommend. Uh, uh, was of a trade commonly published as Deadshot Beginnings, uh, ru- uh, written by John Ostringer. Um, so it was essentially John Ostringer back in the 80s, is essentially the person who popularized Suicide Squad. And uh, essentially, uh, when people talk about Suicide Squad, that's usually the source they go to. Unless you're uh, sadly a part of my generation and you just think of a movie. Um, was there a Deadshot but... movie? <laughs> no. no, he's talking no. about Suicide Squad. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But this was essentially a uh, mini sp- uh, a spinoff uh, to uh, his main run on Suicide Squad that uh, I believe he did it for a couple of other ep- uh, characters that were a part of the squad. But this one is just a deep delve into uh, Deadshot's uh, background and like how he became like a uh, uh, so how he became a mercenary and how he developed his shot and wh- uh, was it being a perfect shot and where um, essentially his uh, morality and everything with like his his death wish and uh, his kid and his relationship with his kids comes from. Um, and uh, um, I just wanted to recommend it because just uh, 
I'm so tired of everybody just whenever I say Suicide Squad, we're like, oh, the either uh, uh, was it, uh, you, well, they'll either say, uh, oh, you mean the really shitty movie or, um, oh, that really awesome movie with all the cool colors that I watched on acid once. <laughs> um, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> um, but no, I just wanted to give a little, just that a little shout out because it did kind of cement Deadshot as becoming one of my favorite, uh, yeah, I'll call him a villain in the DC universe. Um, and uh, yeah. Cool. Right, right on. on. There we go. Ooh, look at all that, hey? Yeah. Lucas, did we say right on at the same time? I think we did. Weird. Surround sound right ons. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was the ingestion and our recommendations for this week. You can find all that information down there in the, if you're watching this on YouTube in the, in the description down below. You'll be able to find uh, some links to these uh, where, to, where to buy or watch or listen to or whatever uh down there uh anyway we're gonna go for a quick break and we'll come back and talk about cinema's 30 year cycle awesome prayers <laughs> i'm gonna fucking cut you <laughs> i'm gonna fucking cut you I'm gonna cut, I'm gonna cut your fucking dick off okay we're doing this again. Are we all cutting our dicks off again? You want to bring a bigger knife? Just like the first time we ever recorded on on here. We're gonna cut our dick. <laughs> We're cutting our dicks off. <laughs> Is that a dagger? <laughs> and we're back. Here we are, everybody. Back from our break. Yep. Ready to talk about our main topic: that's the thirty-year right. cycle. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You are currently yeah. listening to the Thundercast on K one hundred one point five. Maybe one first day. word from our sponsors. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insert sponsor here. <laughs> I'd laugh if we convinced a pit, one of our patrons just records to record a stupid ad or something and it's, then just send it to us and put it up funny, on Funny, Liam. <laughs> I know one of them, and you know who you are, definitely would love to do that. <laughs> um, I don't know. My anyway. dad was joke. My dad was recently joking about uh, starting a starting a video uh, reviewing series where he just reviews porn. That'd be weird. <laughs> it's also probably already a thing. Yeah, I told him like, yeah, dad, it probably already exists. Number one and number two, I don't think you have the technological skills to be able to run it or make it see make it presentable. <laughs> Cinema sins, but it's with porno. <laughs> it's like um, there's no pizza in that box. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hot Italian sausage. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the cinema 30-year cycle, but also the pop culture cycle, 30-year cycle mm -hmm. of pop culture trends. So um, this is a topic that has kind of become really relevant in the past couple of years. Um, a lot of, like I said earlier uh, in the episode, a lot of uh, the conversation kind of stemmed from Stranger Things. Uh, and, and, I, and the inspiration that it drew from a lot of 80s uh, uh, cinema and pop culture. And even earlier, you know, with Dungeons and & Dragons and, and that sort of thing. And, and it's definitely it's definitely brought the uh, whole... It's brought the discussion a lot more mainstream because it's it's always been a discussion in, like, film study circles or whatnot. But now it's it comes up in a lot more mainstream, like, casual movie-going talks and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think the original idea came from when Star Wars became hugely popular, at least for that, when that, that's the idea became kind of taken more seriously, uh, because that was obviously a product of the 30-year 
things before that, right? Like uh, Flash Gordon and whatnot. The Flash and, Gordon serials, yeah. And and George Lucas was a part of uh, Steven Spielberg and Scorsese, who were considered like new Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when that discussion for Star were just like the new year younger younger bloods in uh, was it in the film industry with like uh, uh, coming out uh, with very different and newer voices in a uh, very post Golden Age Hollywood. Yeah. Um. So some things that we're going to be sort like uh, using as sources for this uh this topic here just i want to get some of those out of the way because i'm going to be reading some of them pretty much verbatim um uh the one that i used for most of my notes is uh from you're going to find be able to find the link down below but it's for uh, a website called the pattering the pattern pattern patterning 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 it's very hard to say but uh, their article, The Nostalgia Pendulum, A Rolling 30-Year Cycle of Pop Culture Trends, came out February 13th, 2017. So uh, that's the one that I'm going to be using. I know Lucas is probably going to be talking a lot about Lindsay Ellis um, and her <laughs> and her video. We talk about her a lot, so maybe we can become friends with Lindsay Ellis. That'd be kind of neat. Um, I mean, she, I mean, almost every topic we cover and Lindsay Ellis has covered before. So. Uh, <laughs> damn, so we're ripping her off. Yeah, it's not even be, a 30-year uh, cycle for us and Lindsay Ellis. It's like, oh, yeah. she, she did a video? We got to do, do that. <laughs> no, the first, the first time the thirty-year cycle was ever brought to my attention was uh, in grade twelve English, and uh, because uh, my English teacher at that time was also a film studies teacher, and he really loved movies, so he would try to work those discussions into like what he was teaching, what he was just teaching general English. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes he'd uh, like he'd talk about like a movie that he'd show in class, and he'd relate it to be like, well, look at the inspirations here or whatnot, and he talked about like and how it related to the whole discussion of no originality and whatnot. Right. Yeah, so uh, a couple of uh, reasons why people think that the 30-year cycle is, be- is such a thing is because, um, I'm going to read a quote from this article. Uh, so it says, there are a number of reasons why the nostalgia pendulum shows up, but the driving factor seems to be that it takes about 30 years for a critical mass of people who were consumers of culture when they were young to become the creators of culture in their adulthood. So, yeah, but, you know, um, going with things like George Lucas, uh, having seen a lot of those um, Flash Gordon uh, serials back when he was a child and then interpreting them into Star Wars later on in life, or even J.J. Abrams having lived life in 1977 and then as summer of 1977 and then going and making Super 8 in that same uh in establishing it in the same uh, time period or even if you go back to like a i was it a little a uh, little bit earlier your fir- uh, after your first point and earlier from abrams is even look at like in the 80s with um robert zemeckis and whatnot and how he was very clearly influenced by a lot of like the 50s stuff that he grew up with yeah and the vietnam war and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and thus why yeah the 50s for back to the future that's for sure and then the vietnam war for forrest gump and and how the vietnam war, war ruined america um, I don't know. Not, let's not maybe talk her. about Forrest Gump on a different episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, that's one of the the bigger reasons why people think that it comes back full circle is because the people who were consuming that media so young want to relive their childhood in some way, shape, or form. But their inspirations, because I know a lot of my inspirations find their way into into my work, you know, and the well, things that I do. Well, I mean, especially well, given as a consumer and as a creator, something like that is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm 28, hmm. so I got two more years, and then suddenly everything is going to be about Nirvana. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> I mean, we're already start. We're already starting to approach the 90s. Like we just got a new Power Rangers project announced, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I mean, uh, grunge, it, grunge is never going to come back. There, there was there was a live action, more or less live action Pokemon movie. Yeah, with yep. uh, Detective Pikachu, which is a good film. FYI, I still haven't seen it. I still haven't watched it either. It's enjoyable. I'm um, scared I'll have the same experience that I had with Sonic the Hedgehog, though. Less <laughs> is obvious about its intentions. Uh, there was also a uh, a Men in Black reboot. Uh, to an extent, so like we're already in the era of '90s stuff being remade, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting. Yeah, um, I know. I uh, like me personally, I'm not particularly very uh, against uh, the you know embracing pop culture uh, and um, nostalgia and that sort of stuff. I know Liam, you you definitely have some reservations toward it because uh, you're not a big fan of when pop culture becomes like the crutch of of a project as, yeah, like as I it have, is with stranger things um in a lot of ca- a lot of times rick and morty uh yeah, like i don't have a problem with things taking inspiration or whatnot because as i said that's inevitable i just feel like especially with uh verizon stranger things and like some creators i feel like some creators have really abused that um was a bad mentality yeah yeah and i mean one thing that i do sorry i'm taking a step back in the conversation but one thing that i do really hope happens considering we're moving into like the 90s cycle now is that uh we kind of get the opportunity to see a lot of those original ideas again you know like we had in the 90s like being john malkovich for example i spoke about it in the ingestion um that movie is very original (laughs) there's nothing like that (laughs) there's nothing like that movie it's impossible to replicate something like that uh you know i mean well even its inspirations like uh from what i understand like a lot of them are just mainly just identity and philosophy questions that are just inherently timeless yeah yeah uh also you want to hear something on it's related but uh related to john malkovich so you know how there's that rumor that's that uh, malkovich didn't know he was going to get hit in the head with that can yeah that's Mm -hmm. not true that's not true i watched the behind the scenes of the movie and they 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 show you exactly how they did that and malkovich (laughs) is like no 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 i want you to hit me right here and try and get it up and over my head (laughs) And Spike Jones is like, yeah, 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 hit him right here, and they're like, they like cover it all. <laughs> so yeah, that was that. A lot of people seem to think that that was not planned. That was planned. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, regardless, uh, yeah, like I hope, I hope moving into this, this, uh, this era, this decade, that we're gonna have the opportunity to see a lot of those uh, concepts and ideas that, like, not to say that we're Hollywood's out of original ideas, because that's. I think that's impossible. It's impossible well, also, to, to run out of ideas, you know? I think it's... All, yeah, it's, I, there's lots of ideas. It's just the ideas that are going to make money are the ones they're going to focus on. Right. And also, I'm not I'm not really sure there is such a thing as an original idea. And I, I believe... I, I, I don't... Not, and not, I'm not just referring to, like, nowadays or anything like that. Like, there are original ideas back when, like, humans first crawled out of the ocean because they hadn't thought before. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, as we built on so many millennia of human civilization, that like, there, there, there is no idea nowadays that isn't built on another idea, right? And, and just like, even, even on the, uh, was it even with that, like, just even like, uh, you could say like somebody, uh, was it being inspired by an event or whatnot? Is uh, that actually happened as original? Well, I'm like, well, you're also pulling from your own personal experience of something that many other people have had as well so is that by any means actually 100 percent original That's yeah an interesting yeah point. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i mean i mean 
yeah it's 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 hard to define what exactly is original what exactly isn't because of how many people there are and how many ideas each of them have because yeah. i'm pretty sure every single person on earth has had a thousand uh ideas that would make for a decent story yeah like... <laughs> well that and, that and that brings up the conversation of parallel thinking and twin movies right like mm-hmm. like twin movies specifically when you have what was it uh uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact, or, yeah, yeah, or, or even Bugs like, and Ants, Bugs and Ants, or A Dog's Journey and the Something of Driving in the Rain. I don't know. Both movies that t- that uh, have. Sorry, my nose is really bothering me. Uh, <laughs> uh, is they both have dogs that narrate the movie, but one of them is voiced by Kevin Costner. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, I but, was all yeah. So, so bringing up the idea. Sorry, Liam. Bringing up the idea of of parallel thinking. Um, but and how that applies to a thirty-year cycle, because in a way, it's not like a, a parallel thinking uh, as in form of doing a, a remake or something. Uh, but yeah, how they how that relates to to uh, remakes and whatnot, because that's not particularly like uh, parallel thinking. That's just you know rehashing some of the old old ideas. Because if you look at some of like some of the examples that I found in that article are how uh, in terms of just like the length of time. It has it has actually taken recently. Um, there's a graph on there that, that interestingly shows that over time, uh, the length of time between an original film and the remake is getting much shorter as time goes mm. on, like significantly shorter. Yep. Like we could even argue so much that James Gun- James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad is a remake of or a reboot of the Suicide Squad, and that movie came mm-hmm. out four years ago. Yeah, well, when the Suicide Squad comes out, assuming it meets its release release date, it'll be five years. Right, exactly, which is ridiculous. So, are we moving into a one year cycle? Well, are we just gonna? <laughs> but uh, you see, like things like the Parrot Trap, where that movie came out thirty seven years after Star Wars in Episode One, twenty two years later. Hmm. Uh, Gone in sixty seconds, twenty six years later. Planet of the Apes, thirty three years later. Carrie, twenty six years later. Strawberry Shortcake, and then Strawberry Shortcake, the TV series. That's 23 years. <laughs> I was even going to say, like, uh, I remember when uh, the really shitty remake to Total Recall was coming out. Mm-hmm. I was talking with uh, somebody I know who's a little who's a little bit older than us, and he was saying, like, he was pissed when he heard it was coming out. He was like, guys, uh, people still remember going to see Total Recall in the theaters. Like, why are we why are we doing this right now? Do we need to? Do we need to? Oh, man, the original, the original Total Recall is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then another thing is, uh, sorry, I know we're kind of jumping around from from thing to thing, but um, uh, one another thing that I read in this article is uh, it can also be explained equally from the consumer side. After about thirty years, you've got a real market of people with disposable income who's who are nostalgic for their childhoods. So yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, I being twenty eight. I shouldn't. I don't know why I'm saying how old I am. My social insurance number is. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, password to my bank account is. Yeah, one, two. It's password. <laughs> <laughs> I like I I I fuck I buy Lego. I'm an adult. Yeah. I buy, I buy Lego. Like yeah. I I um, I listen to music from when I was a kid, like when I was growing up as a kid, and uh, not growing up as an adult. Um. <laughs> You know, I lo- I love movies from when I was when I was younger, and I I, you know, I often look forward to watching remakes and reboots of those films. Not always uh, like Ghostbusters, but uh, you know, like I 
I get into it because it's like, oh yeah, I remember these things. It's familiar, and and that fam- familiarity definitely helps in some ways of enjoying something. Not always. Yeah, it it brings it brings comfort. Yeah, like if they brought and... back the McPizza, pretty sure I'd think it'd be pretty gross as an adult, right? <laughs> um, I was gonna say that uh, with uh, where we're at in the current thirty-year cycle, or what's been going on in the past couple of years, is very interesting, and like. Uh, when you wrote, when uh, you think about the way uh, pop culture intersects with our world around us, um, like because uh, let's face it, like with the way our climate is and everything is, we're kind of having eight kind of pop co- in pop culture and outside of it, we're having a uh, an eighties. We've had a big eighties resurgence. Like uh, governments are run the same way they were in the eighties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, movies and uh, business mentalities are very similar to how they were in the eighties. Like, like you could attribute like uh, they just had slightly different ways of doing it. Like you could attribute uh, the way the Marvel movies are made to the way a lot of kids shows were made in the eighties. Yep. Like with the whole, yeah. with the emphasis being on the bottom line or whatnot. Right. And Liam, I think that's Liam, speaking of, uh, sorry, the, the government, uh, you're talking about Walter Dean Burnham's theory of critical realignment from the U S elections. Is that, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That, that was an article I sent, I sent to these two. No, it's earlier. also, it, it's also been an, a thought that it's also a thought that's just been on my mind for a while. Yeah. Like over, over the past couple of years, I've very much developed a uh, fascination with how uh, uh, media intersects with our real world. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's outrageous. Cause I, uh, well, art imitates life. Right. Yep. And, and, and vice oftentimes vice versa. Yeah. People uh, don't want to yeah. admit to it. People don't want to admit to that, but it is very much the case. Like mm-hmm. life, life can imitate art, uh, look at cell phones right like yeah. mm-hmm. and, and star trek and that's yeah look at yeah look yeah. at the technology that was inspired by star trek and whatnot yeah like and no this is not us going to say that like uh i was a media forces people to do things or whatnot because that's bullshit i just want to make that 100% i want you clear. to go outside and punch the person <laughs> <laughs> no. oh no we're gonna get we're gonna get canceled now <laughs> oh man did you see that that uh, J.K. Rowling signed a, uh, a a petition to end cancel culture? Oh my god! Yeah, I did. Like I, that. What? Shut what's up. What's your goal? Like, obviously, <laughs> your goal is to end cancel culture, but you're shut you up. You have no. You have no right to be talking right yes. now. Yes, cancel. Turf. Yes, cancel <laughs> cult. Yes, cancel culture. Culture is a bullshit thing, but you don't. But we don't need you, a fucking moron, to be going around and pushing this shit. I, yeah, I, I put a tweet uh, uh, out. Oh, go ahead, yes. Lucas. You know, I was gonna say this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but also cancel cult, cancel culture is such an ill-defined term that it doesn't have a meaning anymore. No, like, yeah, like it's, there, there's okay. so many. Everyone has a different definition as to what it is. There is no concrete uh, like idea behind that right. that phrase. It gets so saturated. Yeah. It, it's like it's like um, the idea woke of, of culture, ca- woke culture. But even on the opposite, like Karen, like if if anyone yeah. bitches yeah. at all now, if anyone bitches even a little bit out in real life. It's like okay, Karen. It's like no, mm-hmm. I'm I I asked for ice and there's no ice in my cup, <laughs> right? Also, I will just clear it up by saying that like uh, the way I understand can- cancel culture and the way I've seen it being popping up in recent years, I think it's bullshit. I'm not going to get into that right now because that doesn't really relate to what we're doing very much. But next, next week's episode of the Thunder. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. But yeah. But J.K. Rowling's the turf fucker. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> or don't let her let her just rot away. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. The best. I we've we've all read this, but the best thing about Harry Potter is that no one knows who wrote those books. 
No one knows. No one's got a clue. <laughs> no one knows. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I, so go ahead, Liam. Um. But I was gonna just to bring it back to the whole uh, thirty-year cycle thing. Um. I was gonna say that in our current climate or whatnot, because like with all things, I think that everything has its place or whatnot, and there are good things that could come out of most things. Where I think the problem I'm running into uh, with a lot of things that are very much products of the 30-year cycle are uh, when they're just too overly subservient or uh, just based on the check, seem to be based on a checklist of what made things work around that time. Mm-hmm. Like to a point where uh, they well, kind of become troubling in some ways. Yeah, well, look at something like uh, this is, it. Kind, I guess it kind of fits into the 30-year cycle. Um, look at something like Gus Van Sant's Psycho right mm. that did not need to be um he went on record yeah. of saying like somebody asked him like so why are you doing this and he's like so other people can't um so <laughs> like the th- i watched a red letter media video about it and and i think part of it is just that like gus might have done that and other filmmakers do this uh, or fall into the 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 30 y yc the 30 yc <laughs> uh, 30 year cycle uh, is <laughs> is uh, because they they want to embrace the things that they loved, but they also want to hold on to them and be like, mm-hmm. no one else can touch this. This is mine, right? These are my playthings. These are my toys. Um, and, and in part, like it's it's fun to guess if Gus Van Sant made that movie to just show people like, don't, don't, stop, <laughs> don't do this. We spent millions of dollars to be like, don't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a prank, uh, Gus? But, uh, he's just sitting there I'm, counting his money. It's like I'm busy, yeah. Ben. I'm busy. <laughs> what I was, uh, uh, what I was more so talking about is something like uh, Stranger Things or whatnot, which is a show I still enjoy it. But it, but how much, how subservient it is to '80s tropes and uh, storytelling or whatnot Welcome in to 2020. Things in uh, 2020, yeah. I think. Uh, there, especially in season three, there are some things that are were big tropes in the eighties that they really relied on in uh in the third season. But I found a little troubling. Yeah. To, to the, guys. That yeah, yep. and and like often to the detriment of the characters they'd already established too. Like Hopper was the biggest victim of that, but I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, well, Hop- <laughs> long story short, Hopper becomes uh, I was it a very toxically masculine drunk John McClane type. Yeah. Yeah, they even they even literally use lines from Die Hard. Do you think like, that was just David Harbour though? He's just like, like <laughs> I don't want to act today. All right, no, just be you, Dave. Just no, because even him, and, no, because even like him and Winona Ryder do that thing I talked about that was very prominent in the eighties. That is one of my most hated cliches, which is Anal the sex? no the split the split cu- uh, was it the split couple who could do nothing but just bitch at each other, just oh, the whole time, just oh, yeah, always yeah. going around and just complaining to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, um, very uh, National Lampoon's vacation of them. Yeah. And just, I uh, was it, and just like the whole framing of like, it's like, and just like, there's even a point where the characters, where it's like, you two are meant to be together, where I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when movie, movies did that a lot in the 80s, and like looking back on it as an adult, I hated it then, and I especially hate it now. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, Stranger, huh. yeah, Stranger Things is, is kind of an, an interesting one because it's probably the most popular product, like like popular like product that is like directly associated with with like the thirty year cycle. Yeah, hundred like percent. Yeah, and, and it's 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 it doesn't use those words obviously, but like it's 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 pretty explicit. <laughs> I think that's part of why I couldn't get into it. Mm. Like I've never I've watched maybe the first two episodes or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. I, just, I just every time I try to watch it, I just I don't know. I feel like I'm just like, yeah, I've seen this. I like I've seen this yeah. before. I know what's gonna happen next. Yeah, because you kind of have. <laughs> yeah, I have seen. I, I really now, enjoy. I really enjoy the show personally, but like I don't really weigh it too much if that makes sense yeah like i I'm like I, I enjoy my time but then once it's done it's done i don't really think about it anymore. it's right. like taco bell you uh sit down you enjoy it and then it just goes out later yeah <laughs> um i was gonna say uh in just because i uh, was it uh uh in uh her video on the 30 year cycle Lindsay ellis brought up it and how like it was mm-hmm. very clearly influenced by the success of stranger I, things i just want to point out i wasn't the one who brought it up <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say that's an interesting thing to revisit now, given that mm-hmm. we, given that both of those movies have finished, and the first it everybody loved when it came out. Well, the I first what, I wait? didn't, but the first, first movie, it. What? Don't be stupid. <laughs> For those of you at home, I have done that joke several times on this yeah. show. Several times. Yeah. It's, so, it's our it's our thirty episode cycle. <laughs> so the first one came out and. Everybody loved it. Well, I mean, I didn't like it, but yeah, everybody else did. Um, but like, uh, it was a big hit or whatnot. And then the second one comes out and it doesn't rely on the 30 year thing. And it didn't perform as well. People didn't seem to like it as much. And hell, even a lot of my friends who saw and really loved the first one when it came out, when the second one came out, like, if you didn't really care. When and they, I think when that's... they saw what? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> when it, it's just like. I, I, I should make a super cut of every time Liam goes. Do that. <sighs> Do that joke again, <laughs> and I will shoot you. With what? <laughs> uh, shoot me with. Never mind. Stop, Christian. Stop. <laughs> um. But yeah, well, something anyway. she brought up about it was it was interesting that like it has a thirty-year cycle built into the text of the story. Yeah, Cause... yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, the book has that as well, but they altered that's... it because they wanted to capitalize on Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, because like originally the the Losers Club is, I believe they're kids in the 50s and then adults in the 80s in the original book. And in the movies, it's it's 80s and modern, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because in, se- in the Tim Curry one, I believe it's 70s and then 90s. Is that right? Uh, no, it's the, uh, it is 60s. set in the, the adults is the 80s and the kids are uh, the 50s. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so, uh, but what I'm saying is that, like, I think that with uh, the modern versions of it, I think that that kind of shows maybe how audiences might be a little complacent and uh, very much that they want, that mainstream audiences just want to see that 30-year cycle continue. Because, again, like, once that wasn't really a part of the uh, part of part two of it, like, nobody really cared or really rushed out to go see it, or I didn't really hear anybody, at least in my friend's group, talk about it. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't know it came out. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people kind of forgot about it. Yeah, forgot. And also, about it. Stephen King, fuck you for naming your book it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. We're all gonna look dead at the I, camera I, and say, "Fuck you, Stephen King." <laughs> You're look, on the I, list I, now. I, I, I do like a lot of your books, but why'd you have to call it it? I don't like it. But I stand <laughs> on my dark tower that I'm carrying <laughs> this idea that. I didn't have any more. Shit. Yeah, we, Shit, we called out two an, people this episode. Shit, even another uh, have we? Exam- Who's the other? Even Did we? Who? Who's this first one? Rowling. Uh, Rowling. Oh, yeah. Fuck her. Uh, even turf. another uh, Even another Stephen King example from the 80s, something like Stand By Me, is also a product of the cycle, given that uh, that's a story that uh, even the book Stephen King wrote about his time as a kid in the 50s. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which one is Stephen King supposed to be in that book? 
uh, Will Wheaton's character, you know, the writer, the one who has uh, animosity towards his parents. Yep, yep. You know, so, <laughs> so otherwise known as every Stephen King character ever. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but no, uh, I guess uh, the big question is, uh, like people with people being more hyper aware of it or whatnot, and like uh, even some people being more critical. I thought that like this would be a point where people we, we might kind of start to move away from everything being from like an '80s resurgence and like how it's so obvious and how much of a how much it is inspired by the past. But everybody just seems to keep buying it, especially right now, and I find yeah. that kind of interesting. Well, Liam, it's because it's easy, you know. Like I said earlier, it's like it's familiar. And and people like things that are familiar, you know. Like mm-hmm. I buy I buy shirts that are of the same color all the time because mm-hmm. they're comfortable. I know what they look like. I know what I'm gonna look like in them, right? I buy a lot of the same food because I'm picky. No, <laughs> uh, I was um I was gonna say I have a theory as to why uh, everybody buys into it or whatnot, and it's because Hollywood has developed has uh, adopted one very manipulative th- manipulative thing, and that's being self aware about it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and using that as an easy out for it, like, because uh, before this, uh, was it before uh, we got to where we were like straight, like, even when I was a teenager, people were going off and saying, like, oh, no originality, no originality. And now all of those people are people who love Stranger Things and it and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or get excited whenever a new, uh, was it whenever the next Bond comes out? Or, well, I mean, granted, I, I was it, I get excited about a lot of that stuff as well, but to, to quote, it, but it's, this article once again film studios and advertisers for instance often consciously use the nostalgia pendulum to build an audience's emotional attachment with the release of something new on the flip side the writers and the toy makers and the musicians who are creating the artifacts of culture really do have fondness and nostalgia for the themes of their childhood that they are referencing so they oh yeah they know <laughs> like, oh yeah oh yeah hollywood like like they, they like the the business side of hollywood is exploiting these people's fondness for uh, both the creators and the consumers fondness for their childhoods to make money. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that it's just like with the whole using meta as a manipulative tool, it makes people think that it's actually, I think just on the surface, it makes people think that they're actually being postmodern about the whole thing and deconstructing it. But in reality, it's like, no, we're just telling you that we're doing this. So it's, o- so it's okay now because we know we're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I personally prefer when things get a lot more uh, deconstructive about it or like a critical of, uh, was it critical of those tropes? Kind of like, well, like, as I've said a million times, like what Ryan Johnson likes to do. Speaking of which, yeah. did you know, uh, Ryan Johnson directed a music film for my one of my favorite bands. Oh, yeah. He directed nice. a music a music film, an hour long music film for the Mountain Goats. So I told you that a few nice. years ago. Yep. And I forgot. Uh, <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense yep <laughs> he loves the uh, um but i was gonna ask what are your what are your thoughts on that whole thing lucas on like how uh what about me? with uh <laughs> it's one of those kind of episodes everybody sorry no yeah i i if, if i've been a little quiet it's because uh my internet's really choppy so i hear about half of the things you guys say <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just assume you listen to half of the things we say anyway <laughs> <laughs> I do I do I do tend to zone out sometimes. <laughs> I mean just like what do you prefer like if we are going to be forever stuck with this idea, with this concept of the 30 year cycle like where do you fall under the whole mindset of the uh of like uh, either just uh doing the JJ route where you just do it again do it via 
uh, what is it, of uh, Rick and Morty route where you just uh, wink at the camera and say you're doing it or the, uh, or just a very more postmodern way of doing it? I think there's a place for both of them, really. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying media that's, that's like, uh, inspired by or very similar to the media of your childhood. It's, uh, I, I think there's probably too much of it. Um, but, like, I, I like Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I love Star Wars. I hope they keep making Star Wars movies. Like, But I also, I also would like to see more Star Wars movies like... Uh, like uh, the last Jedi where, where it's a little more deconstructive and a little more thoughtful. Uh, but really, I, I, I think we're a little oversaturated with, with movies uh, and media that, uh, that, that like um, bows down to the 30 year cycle, but uh, there's definitely a place for it. Yeah. I've just, yeah, no, I think that it's the same. Like, like obviously I wasn't alive in the eighties or whatnot, but like, I have a feeling that there were probably similar discussions around that time, but we're more aware of them now with the in, with the birth of the internet. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Well, back then they would refer to it as homage, oh. right? They'd be like, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. homage to this," um, which well, I guess is still accurate, but it's just the 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 phrasing and the and the recognition of it being what it actually is is only kind of more of a modern, uh, uh like thought process, you know. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like. Uh, I think a lot of where uh, I'm getting, where I'm really getting burnt out on it is just pulling from, is like with, uh, if we're going to go back to the 80s, just pulling from the, like just the three major tropes of the 80s or whatnot, or just only relying on the same kinds of movies. Like, you know, it's got to be, it's got to, I wasn't involved a bunch of younger kids or whatnot. It's got to uh, have a supernatural element. It's, uh, I was, it's got to, uh, oh, was it, it's, what was the third one? Like it's uh, got to include uh, just the very unknown type of a thing, if that makes any sense. And yeah, a yeah. six synth lead soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, even if, yeah, well, uh, even like, yeah, even if you watch a lot of movies now, they're adopting a lot of synth soundtracks. Yep. Yep. Most modern music does actually too. Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of a, it's just a, a thing. Like, like we've said it a million times, nostalgia pays, you know? Yeah. yeah, it pays to be nostalgic, and and because, like I said, it's familiar. People love the they, you know, the fondness of it. Uh, um, they need those themes from their childhood so that they can they can feel a little bit youthful, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I, although I do no. I do agree with you, Lucas, in that we are severely oversaturated with the idea of needing to reference these things as a way to sell your product. You know, mm-hmm. like look at commercials. Even a lot of a lot of commercials are very much inspired by ones that were from the past you know especially with like there's that beer commercial that super bowl that uh budweiser commercial which is a shot for shot remake of the what's up oh yeah right right i mean i bet you that's sold <laughs> even even advertising even advertising is getting the 30 years yeah on. man <laughs> yeah i mean like uh uh was it we i mean I mean, I think a lot of why I'm getting so burnt out on it I, is just that I, it's very much now bed to a point where if the way things have been done, I could very much see the marketing agents' hands behind the camera being like, uh, okay, you got to include this little thing. Like, hey, do you guys remember Dragon's Den? Okay, you got to put Dragon's Den in there. Or um, what? remember, remember text <laughs> or, or not Dragon's Den, Dragon's Lair. Or, um, little, oh, text, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or yeah. little text adventures like Zork or... Um, mm-hmm. Fuck, let's go um, play Zork, guys. <laughs> um, I think what I would 
I wish that people would kind of take the more like the approach George Lucas Lucas took when he made the original Star Wars. And George Lucas, don't you ever dare say I didn't say a nice thing about you. Um, yeah, he's George. Home. He's at home. He's like, uh, I, uh, I, um, I feel like someone's talking shit about me. <laughs> but like with uh, Star Wars, like, yeah, he was very much inspired by like the Flash Gordon, very pulpy adventure things. But he also went to other inspirations and kind of blended a bunch of them together. Did you know kind of samurai movies? Did you know every single time you mention Flash Gordon, uh, George Lucas gets another dollar? um and what i was gonna say is that i kind of just wish that we'd get kind of more of that like i mean i guess we get some of it like john wick is uh very famous for its uh genre blending yeah i i like john wick but i liked it better when it was called commando (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean like you could take something that seems a lot like commando but you could blend it in with a number of other things to at least like uh create something entirely new and i kind of wish that we'd create that we that we'd get more filmmakers doing things like that yeah mm-hmm. instead of just being yeah, like cool. oh instead of just doing things like oh i want to remake the goonies or i want to remake back to the future or i want to do uh but I, you know we don't want to call it those things but we're going to make those regardless yep yeah and then and then like someone someone will come out and be like i want to make this movie but i'm not going to call it that and then the marketing executives are like no no we're calling it that so it makes yeah. money <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's Why what is happened. This called with a... iRobot. <laughs> I think that's also what happened with a RoboCop remake. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Someone wanted to make RoboCop, but they're like, let's not call it RoboCop. And the then the suits are like, it's RoboCop. Yeah, we're calling it RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta fill our pockets, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, everybody at home, make sure you come back to us uh, thirty years from now because we're gonna have the, we're gonna literally remake this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, if we're doing this show 30 years from now, like... would be wild. Uh, we'd be old. I'd be I in just, my 60s. Yeah. I'd, I just, 30, 30 years from now, I'd be 57, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, imagine I really Lucas, hope we're not doing this in 30 years. <laughs> I imagine Lucas sitting back with his huge bookshelf looking like John Malkovich, and he just pulls it down every time. <laughs> Malkovich, yeah, Malkovich. <laughs> I don't know. I think Lucas could rock a bald Lucas, dome and Lucas, talk Lucas. very enunciative like this, almost like an American Werner Herzog. <laughs> Not American though. That's what John. Mal- <laughs> that's what John Malkovich sounds like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, this has been our conversation about the thirty-year cycle. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're gonna be back in a couple minutes uh, with another edition of Lucas. Cool Wars. You're damn right, it's Cool Wars. Alright, we'll see you guys soon. I told Liam he's got to pour it into a cup because the last couple of times he's had a beer in the show, it's always massive, for one. And two, it's he just like it's like Liam holds the logo out. <laughs> advertising. I don't want to give free advertising to Paps. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, we are going to be doing another exciting and fun episode of... Wars. I've said it before. It's Lucas doing it from here on out. Okay. I forgot about that. I was like, I was. you guys both even like leaned into your minds. So I'm like, all right, all, all, all together. And I'm like, yeah. uh, okay. Your, vo- your, your voice just works. <laughs> anyway, so Cool Wars is a game we like to play where we are trying to figure out who the coolest character is in media uh, based solely upon a list that we have created. Uh, 
cool, the only rule of Cool Wars, or not the only, but some of the rules of Cool Wars are that the characters who are placed up against each other are not physically fighting. It is purely a test of who is cooler. And cooler is defined by a number of things that you can go and Google yourself. Um, so today's Cool Wars is... Liam versus... Princess, Princess Leia <laughs> Organa versus Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. That is correct, yes. So... Again, I, I would like to mention that we just put all of these names into a random a randomizer, and it just made these matchups for us. Um, and some of them are pretty fucking ridiculous, and this is mm. definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Leia Organa versus Kevin McAllister starting in three, two, two one. one. Let's jam. Let's jam. <laughs> All right, Leia Organa, the, from the first moment uh, she joins the main crew, just takes charge, starts blasting stormtroopers, and, and just starts giving everybody shit. Uh, she continues to fight for the rebellion until the day she dies. Uh, she, she never stops to bitch and moan about anything. Like, literally in the first Star Wars movie, her entire planet gets blown up, and Luke's uh, weird uncle figure gets cut in half and she's consoling him. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the fact that uh, what, what was always cool about Leia is that when she first gets captures or captured or whatnot, you're like, oh, great. It's going to be one of them damsel in distress type of a things. But it's like, no, this lady can hold her own. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah well, that's, exactly. what, that's, that's what's so great about Leia is that, that from the moment you see her, you're going to be, you're like, oh, she's just a princess. Like yeah, and and the whole, but she subverts every single expectation that's placed upon her, and mm -hmm. just and I think I don't think that's George Lucas. That is one hundred percent Carrie Fisher. That's definitely Carrie Fisher. I was also Carrie Fisher was so badass. She, she was. was so fucking cool. Like she was a hardcore pill addict, hardcore yeah. alcoholic, and then just kind of was like, yeah, I'm done. And all, even like when she, uh, and when even in her later years, she became like very genuinely very, very funny. Oh, yeah. or at least she oh, really started to show that side of herself. She's so funny. She She's even pretty funny in like this, the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> like when like Luke walks in, is like, hi, I'm here to rescue. She's like, you're a little short to be a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> Are you scruffy? Hot yeah. <laughs> Who are you <laughs> calling scruffy? Half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. I think I missed um, one of the adjectives there. But oh. um, I was going to say, uh, I think one of the coolest things about Leia, especially when compared to um, the um, other Star Wars characters, and this is something I've thought about, but I don't really think it's brought up very much, is that Leia is the only original character there of her own accord. Like, Luke kind of get, just gets roped into it. Han gets roped into it. C-3PO and R2-D2 get roped into it, but right from the beginning, she's in on the Rebellion and, like, uh, just trying to get rid of the Empire. She's the yeah. reason why the Rebellion exists, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, well, and like, she's... Jyn Erso as well, but... Yeah, yeah. But, like, also, like, from the... from the for Even, like, before she meets uh, the gang, she's talking smack to one of the most powerful people in the in the galaxy. Like, she she walks up to Grandma Tark and is like, oh, I should have known it was you. I recognize your foul stench as soon as I walk the board. <laughs> Even if she has that really <laughs> weird kind of British accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, I just I just want to mention one Carrie Fisher joke that it, it is just so funny. Uh, it was, I believe it was at... George Lucas was getting some Lifetime Award, and she got up and, and did, like, 10 minutes of just roasting him. And uh, she ended it by saying, it's like, and I sure as hell hope that I slept with you to get the part, because if not, who the hell was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
I, I mean, I, I guess, kind of have my choice. But, I mean, uh, it's but, fair but, now that we give Kevin McAllister a fair due because yeah. Home Alone is a great movie. And, is, uh, yeah. and Kevin, Kevin, Kevin McAllister is a ruthless motherfucker and he's like eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that his character really grows throughout the course of that film from being kind of a little chicken, not chicken, sorry, just kind just of a whiny kind of an eight year old. Yeah, an eight year old. And then kind of instantly having to mature himself. The thing is, Kevin is also kind of dumb, like he's incredibly <laughs> smart building all of those traps and having that being able to, to retrofit your house to make it look like people are actively living in it and, and things like that. But just not having the intelligence to just go to the next block over because they, <laughs> or, like, you know, stay John in Hughes, the church. John Hughes really stresses that everybody on that street is gone for, for the holidays. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason why the wet bandits show up. And that's the reason why they're casing this area. I've, it's kind of proven in the ep- in the movie that not everyone in that town is gone because he mm-hmm. goes to the convenience store to buy toothpaste and all that stuff, and there are people there, and yeah. he could just be like, yes, people are going to rob me. Can I just hang out with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, Which probably like, would have been the smarter choice. Even after when he's in the church with uh, the shovel dude or whatnot, and uh, like – I will always stress that I'm like, you had, you could have just stayed there and uh, wait, called the cops for there and uh, had them come to arrest the guys. But no, you had to go home, set up all these traps and essentially perform a perfect case of castle doctrine. Yep. Yeah. Well, like, let, let's, let's look at it this way. Kevin is a sociopath. Correct. And he was looking for reasons to hurt people. <laughs> yeah. Also, yes. there's also a fact, even with a pizza guy before that, like, uh, yeah. And the pizza guy, even earlier in that movie, got treated like shit by his whole family because the McAllisters are like the most bougie white. Uh... <laughs> they are they are privileged. They show you what yep. privilege is. Yep. They're able to fly the entire family yeah, out so... to uh, France at Christmas. I know we're not talking about the, in- the inconsistencies with Home Alone, but I have to stress this one thing. You have enough money to fly 16 people or 12 people to, to France but you don't have enough money to get the mother home. Like, well, they save a plane. They don't have any flights that are connecting and that they've all been bought up. I'm aware of that. However, <laughs> money pays for everything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, how much time do we got? Four minutes. Okay. I all think right. I already have my answer in, <laughs> yeah. in all honesty. Like, uh, well, well, first off, uh, Kevin McAllister he could have he could have been a coward and stayed in the church. He could have called the cops, but he had to handle this shit himself. He built up a bunch of ruthless straps that, if this wasn't a slapstick world, would have murdered them multiple times. Well, yeah. I mean, he didn't have to do it. He just chose to go do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm trying uh, to give Kevin. I'm trying to give Kevin a fair shake. I have seen video. I have seen tests of uh, the traps from Home Alone, and a good chunk of them, you'd probably be dead. Yeah, he's, a, he's an active murderer. <laughs> Yeah, um, he is legit. I mean, in the U.S. with the stand your ground laws and everything, he wouldn't have been charged with murder. I don't think, but like, uh, also he's eight. He's also eight. <laughs> <laughs> is he actually eight? I, I just guessed. I, I they say they say he's eight in that movie. Yeah. Oh shit! Because he's. I can't believe I got it right. I believe he's twelve in the second one. Okay. Yeah, I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, you got to give him points for being, like, 
in- inventive. You got to give him points for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and being able to protect his house to the to the fullest ability as possible. Mm-hmm. Thing is, like, you also trashed your house worse than, than <laughs> wet bandits would have done. Like, oh, man, there's a puddle in my basement. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Versus... Why is there paint everywhere? Why is my my the door handle on fire? <laughs> what it, also like? Why are you... there three corpses? I don't know why there's three. There's only two wet bandits. Kevin went out and killed somebody else and brought them back. <laughs> he what, got, he what, got a taste also, for blood. <laughs> also, he did forget to clean up his brother's room. So that makes me think, like, what if he forgot to pay, clean up the nail on the stairs that Marv stepped on? Oh yeah. <laughs> Imagine his dad just walking down the stairs and stepping on it. Exactly. That's where the nail in the quiet place came from. <laughs> what if the McAllister house is actually the house? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. All right, I we're down to two minutes. I got my answer. I, I got, got mine. mine. All right, stop that timer there, Liam. Mm-hmm. On the count of three, ready? Three, two, two, one. one. Leia. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that we talked more about her at the beginning, we talked about her for like four minutes. <laughs> And then yeah. desperately just tried to make reasons why Kevin's cool too. Yeah, I, th- I think even when this was proposed, we all knew it was going to be Leia. Like those. Yeah, it's, it's still a fun comparison. Kevin's also just a very much product of like the '90s mental marketing ki- mentality of kids rule, and like. Uh, mm. Yeah, and, and it's kind of Leia's hard. just a badass. That's right. And well, Leia also did a lot for uh, uh, was it female heroes in uh, mainstream action movies? That's true. Yeah. Okay, uh, this has been the Thundercast for this week. Uh, I'm gonna do the outro now. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you've seen and heard, be sure to go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Thunder Lizard Collective. We are also on Twitter at Thunder Lizard OG, and uh, we are also on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/ThunderLizard. No collective on that one, just Thunder Lizard. And I would like to thank our patrons for supporting us and uh, providing us uh, a little bit of money to help pay for the show. So I'd like to thank Kate, Tanya, Brittany, Scott, and Manos. Um, if you would like to join those established or not established, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it's distinguished. If you would like to join distinguished. These, these distinguished nice. patrons, be sure to go over to patreoncom thunderlizard to see all of the nice perks and cool things that we are doing over there uh again if you did like what you heard be sure to tell a friend follow us on spotify give us five stars on itunes and do the equivalent on any other streaming platform uh share us on social media and listen to our other shows such as thunder and dragons which is hosted by lucas down there at the bottom uh where he plays our thunder master uh and lucas i'm oh, sorry liam uh, and our friend dan and i uh play <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons podcast. What can I say? Hey. And then be sure and go and follow the uh, very infrequently uh, posted uh, "Expose Yourself," where I interview people and talk about weird stuff. Anyway, this has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. See ya. Right on. There we go. Ooh, look at all that, hey? Lucas, did we say right on at the same time? I think we did. Weird. All right, I we're down to two minutes. I got my answer. I got, I got mine. mine. All right.